Hello and welcome back to another Town Hall slash podcast with eBlitz. I'm host Luke Eldon and as always I am joined by Mike and Aaron who is the founder of eBlitz. How are you doing guys? Hi, how's it going? Good, I'm doing well. Yeah, I know Aaron, you've been suffering, haven't you, a little bit to be fair mate. Um, Aaron's had a little bit of COVID so I don't think his voice is in the best nick. (laughs) But we wanted to punish him and bring him on the podcast so... (laughs) (laughs) airway at least doesn't transmit so <laughs> <laughs> definitely helps yeah that is true and uh as always we are joined by a special guest and that is Joe bear how you doing mate hey guys i'm doing well how are you doing well thanks man thanks for taking the time to obviously chat with us today really appreciate it absolutely it's always a pleasure yeah and uh it should be good fun and before I do um, proceed, obviously, should mention that we tend to do a town hall live in our Discord every Friday around 3 p.m. GMT or sometimes 2 p.m. depending on guests and obviously time slots we can get them on. And also this podcast then is uh, put on demand on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Anchor. And uh, yes, you should also check out the app, the eBlitz app, if you want to find a new gaming buddy or to find better teammates. You can download that on the Apple and Google Play Store, and all the links are in the description below, as well as Jerbez. Obviously, his socials and his channels, definitely check them out because they're linked below as well. But yeah, man, uh, glad to have you on board, and obviously for this, and um, I reached out to you, and you know we've got some questions in that we've got down that you're ready to answer, so nice and easy. We're going to start off with, what was the first game that really got you into gaming? I believe I was about three years old. Um, I had ended up getting a hand-me-down Nintendo Entertainment System from my aunt that my cousin had used up until the point that he got a Super Nintendo. Um, I believe the first game that caught my eye with that was Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it's really hard. It's kind of hard to talk about a game that has such a massive legacy but obviously had it been a bad game then i i don't know if i would have stayed on but i don't know if i would have uh known or cared at the age of three i I think my tastes were far less discerning than they are now but um regardless i can still hop back into that game and i know everything that i've known since i started playing it and i've only uh learned more and appreciated it it's obviously if you've never played it before what are you doing with your life yeah really it's a classic yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolute classic yeah that is definitely some uh, game if you haven't played 100 percent, do jump on um so does that what you say as well that's where maybe one of your best gaming memories slash highlights comes from oh no absolutely something else for that (laughs) oh no absolutely not although that when i did finally uh because when i was young i never managed to beat that game uh it wasn't until i would say about like i was 10 or 11 that i finally ended up beating that game mm-hmm. um so i have a memory and then i have more of a a recent highlight um so as far as the memory it's actually re- uh relatively recent so around the start of covid um obviously for everybody i would say that i probably had one of the easier times with COVID as opposed to, you know, people who may have suffered with it uh, significantly. Um, Mm -hmm. But basically my girlfriend had gotten let off from her job and it it was actually like a really nice job in comparison to what she had had. 
So we were a little down in the dumps with all of that. Uh, and in order to pass the time, we were hoping at the time, I don't know if where everybody was mentally when it came to COVID, like to say like the first six months of it. Um, but we were hoping that, you know, oh, well, this will hopefully just go away and hopefully everybody will do what they're supposed to do and everybody um, will be mindful of what's at stake if they don't. Um, yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> she had always watched me and my middle child play Minecraft. Um, hadn't ever really had a fascination with it. Um, but I finally one day managed to get her to give it a try. And we ended up, I ended up getting the platinum for the game because we had played it so much that from a, basically a fresh account went from having nothing to having a luxurious house, having beaten the Ender Dragon, having, uh, having done effectively everything you could do in the game at the point that we had played it. Um, and obviously I, I love my girlfriend very much. So having that <laughs> time with her. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so having that time with her, I guess the best word I could use for it is maybe magical. Um, it's probably something I'll remember for the rest of my life. He's um, definitely standing behind him telling him to play this right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's got cards up. <laughs> <laughs> did I do right, honey? Did I, did I, I did it? Okay. <laughs> Um, nah, I, know, as, I know what you mean though um, as far as a highlight um, this is going to sound very elitist um, I think the last time you and I had talked we I had mentioned that I'm a very big Souls fan like mm -hmm. Dark Souls, Bloodborne, whatnot. Um, so I've actually been an like anticipating and getting ready for Elden Ring and I want to say a couple months back not even a couple months back, maybe like a month ago, I was like, well, what can I do to kind of like um, feel like like I deserve to play Elden Ring? Um, right. And I was like, one thing I haven't done, I've done it on one of the games, but I haven't done it on the majority of the franchise, was a what's referred to as a soul level one run. Um, for Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 3. Now, if you've never played either of these games before, but you're familiar with RPGs, um, it effectively means that you're going through the entire game without ever leveling up. Um, and effectively, how that, how that messes with your gameplay is your weapon choice is greatly smaller um, because it has we the weapons have stat requirements, and if you don't meet those in you can't weld them correctly or they'll have reduced damage depending mm -hmm. on what the uh, change is. And obviously you're not leveling up into your health. So your health pool is significantly smaller. Once you get to, to the late game, most bosses, most enemies, in fact, um, two or one shot you. Their heavier attacks typically one shot you. Some of the smaller attacks that you can skirt away from are typically two shots. It's like game um, and torture. <laughs> you're effectively uh, making like a really hard game just impossible <laughs> well so that's the interesting thing about it i don't necessarily find um i i'm actually i this is where the elias part comes in i consider myself relatively dexterous when it comes to video games um i've never considered dark souls very hard i think it's a matter of like spatial awareness and understanding how to react to certain things um 
especially in Dark Souls 3, because Dark Souls 1 is more about the world and the immersion, but Dark Souls 3 is significantly more uh, dexterously, I think that's the word I would use, um, uh, intensive. Um, Are you in the minority with that? What do you mean? As in, like, is, isn't it known to be a really hard game? Because I've never played Dark Souls. Um, um, but isn't it, like, kind of known to be tough? It has a reputation for being tough, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's not very difficult. Um, I think it comes from a mindset change. So whenever you play most games, it's very frustrating to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Dark Souls, death is more of a... I wouldn't refer to it as a mechanic, but it's just part of the game loop. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, when you die in Dark Souls, there are moments where that's not the case. But there... Um, if you die, it's typically because you have failed in some way, shape, or form, um, and you need to come back at the game a different way. Yeah. Um, it's like a learning experience, isn't it, for the attacks? Right. Uh, well, it's not even just the attacks. It's your spatial awareness, making sure that you're not putting yourself in situations that you can't escape from, mm-hmm. um, not getting overwhelmed by enemies, trying to learn how to uh, kite them basically meaning like uh, grab one lure it towards you kill it grab another one lure it towards you kill it so on and so forth because obviously if I had one criticism of the Dark Souls series it's that well really all those kind of games it would be that the con- uh, the controls and the gameplay mechanics are not designed for fighting multiple things at a time which is why some of the harder bosses in the series are uh, what we refer to as gank fights, mm-hmm. where there are multiple people that you have to fight off. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm in the minority. I think you should try Dark Souls, and there will be a moment. Just don't get frustrated with it, because I find like the people that get frustrated with it are the ones who don't necessarily learn their lessons. Um, <laughs> yeah. and Keep repeating. Just, yeah, absolutely. Just give it that shot, and... Um, stick with it. Don't necessarily get discouraged if you die. Just kind of think about like what you could have done better. Yeah, and don't be afraid to experiment with stuff. Are you a Souls player, Mike? Um, like I've, you were. I've played the third one a little bit. Right. It, it, I was going to say though, like the difficulty of the game definitely adds to the sense of achievement once you do manage to either kill a boss or get to the next stage that you're working towards, sort of thing. So I, I kind of like the difficult aspect of most games. Yeah, Absolutely. rewarding. Um, I think that's why Dark Souls has stuck around. As, well, really, I guess I would say Soulsborne because I would be including Bloodborne, Demon Souls, and Sekiro in this, um, if I were to be fair. But I think that's what separates it from a lot of the games that try to clone what it does, mm-hmm. um, either well or not so well. So, well, I would probably say like Hollow Knight is a great example of a Souls-like that does really well combat. And then um, as far as like negative, I would say Lords of the Fallen or The Surge is probably like a really good example. Um, And maybe even to a degree Jedi Fallen Order. Um, These are games that didn't really understand what it meant for the game to be difficult. Um, And just thought that it meant like, oh, people must like dying um that must be what we need to like focus on or they just like things to be difficult 
And it's like, well, it's not necessarily that it needs to be difficult. That's not what people gravitate towards. It's typically, um, it's typically, is the gameplay fun? And am I enjoying myself fighting this enemy set of enemies or boss or going mm-hmm. through this level? Yeah, it's and if the answer is no, then you've done it wrong. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're looking forward maybe to seeing how Elden Ring plays out because I know obviously you mentioned it and it's out at the end of this month, isn't it? Like the 25th or something? 25th, yeah. Yep. Um, Greatest name game ever, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm most interested in because they're, they're taking what worked from Dark Souls, trying to give it um, a new um, breath of fresh air. Um, and you can tell that's the case by them bringing on like another writer for it. It's not just Hidetaka Miyazaki. It's George R. R. Martin. Um, and for those who aren't familiar, uh, the writer of Game of Thrones. Um, not the show, not season eight, uh, but the books. Um and I think they're taking everything that was good and worked. And from what I've seen, of course, because obviously, like, come, like, a month or two from now, I'll have a different opinion. Yeah. Uh, whether it reinforced or changed altogether. But um, I think it. I think it's really good to have, like you said, have that rewarding gameplay. Like, when you defeat someone who is meant to be difficult, because uh, I, there have obviously been multiple times in me playing games, I'm sure you guys can relate, where you fight a boss that was maybe supposed to be like, you know, like destroyer of worlds and he's just kind of a pushover and it's like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. The really not an appropriate name. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for the level of uh, toughness. <laughs> yeah. Like when I fight Aldrich, devourer of gods, I'm expecting somebody to be difficult. And luckily in Dark Souls, they provide that. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. It's a lot of games I have played through where <laughs> they have like that sort of big enemy name, and you're thinking, "Oh, leading up to it, this is going to be a difficult challenge." And then the epic music starts in the background. Yeah, and before you know it, you're kind of like slumped in your chair, just <laughs> mundanely yeah, going it? through it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Done it. Yeah, I do know what you mean. It would be cool, I guess, to to have some more challenges in that sense. It'd be interesting to see with Elden Ring how that does. Um, perform and, and play out. Is there quite a, a buzz for it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I believe uh, for the Game Awards and E3, it's received most anticipated game two years in a row. Oh wow. Fair play. I'll yeah, I, I think it's one of the games that I'm actually looking forward to playing soon too. You're going to be getting it on release? Oh, absolutely. More I've already than like pre-ordered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't pre-ordered it yet, but I'm definitely getting it on release or maybe even pre-ordering it next week or something. Yeah, you'll have to let me know both of you how it is. The only thing yeah. is, I don't know if I'll ever give it a chance because I never played like Souls games and stuff like that. Just didn't really think it'd be my jam. But simply for your namesake, I feel like that's like the only reason. <laughs> yeah, it's like you I'm know, obliged. <laughs> actually, since you have a PlayStation Five, mm-hmm. Bloodborne is available on the PlayStation Plus collection, so oh, right, you don't okay. even have to pay for it. So you just go ahead and you literally start it as soon as we're done with this. Yeah. Yeah, if Aaron let me. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that's a, that is a very good point, actually. I did not know that. So yes, I will definitely try that out to see what it's like, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Might, I might end up loving that sort of game, really. I just never gave it the chance. So, yeah, for sure. That's the thing that I find very interesting. Don't expect your first three or four hours to be amazingly enjoyable because it's it's one thing to say you have to get yourself out of a mindset. Um, but it's a completely different thing to actually achieve that. You're going to be frustrated the first couple times you die. Um and I don't think death ever becomes not frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, it frustrates me whenever, like, when I was doing my solo level one run, I know exactly what to do. But if I misclick something, I'm aggravated at myself that I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And there are there are instances, like, the games are not, like, 100% fair. There are instances or bosses or um, mobs, which is basically, like, the small um, people you have to beat. Um that like the either the layout or how many of them there are doesn't feel very fair yeah um but i would say like 99 percent of the time like if you die it's because you goofed Mm -hmm. and if you realize that yeah exactly yeah 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 perseverance yeah i'll have to go in with that sort of mindset uh yeah, I'll try out then, and I'll uh, I'll report back for sure. And you know, good timing considering, like we mentioned, Elden Ring's coming out at the end of the month. Is there yeah, um, is there any other games you're looking forward to? Because I do ask because Horizon Zero Dawn's coming out as well this month. A game I, am, I can't wait to play. I am very interested in Horizon. Um, unfortunately, with I'm actually uh, the three games I'm most interested in this month are Sifu, Horizon, and Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know once Elden Ring comes out, I'm literally not touching anything else for like six months. Because as soon as I get done with that first playthrough, I'm com- I'm collecting and completing everything. I'm starting the second playthrough. Wow, you're going all in. I, I can promise you now. Yeah, absolutely. I get the Platinum for every Souls game, or really like every FromSoft game. Um, so, like, I, I will be going until I get that, at least. And then, like, if a Soul Level 1 run feels feasible then I will probably attempt that. If not, I'll probably give it a little bit, let the community come up with some decent strategies mm-hmm. um, and go from there. Yeah. yeah. You, you you mentioned Sifu there as well. It's a game that I haven't played like an extensive amount of, but I played it when I went to a friend's house recently. And mm-hmm. the combat in that game is so clean. I don't yeah, know if absolutely. you've ever played it, Luke. No, I, I haven't. I haven't. It's just like the combos and just the interaction of move sets and just the combat in itself is so clean. Definitely another one that I'd recommend for you, Luke. Mike, would you That's... say that would you say that Sifu is difficult? I would say again, it's one that you have to think about. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wouldn't say it's difficult necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I think I think like maybe if the combat wasn't as strong. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be as enjoyable if it was difficult. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I like the um, like the resurrection aspect of the game too. When you die and age mm-hmm. a little bit, I think that's mm-hmm. a cool new look on dying in games. Yeah, absolutely. I think my list is going to be very big by the end of this conversation. <laughs> Just adding it down then, I was like, right, that's another one. <laughs> Definitely oh, you made a that. mistake if you that I wasn't going to encourage you to play something. <laughs> I, I'm always, uh, I'm always happy to oblige because you know, always like to to build up a different array of games to try. Um, so yeah, uh, so those are the three. So uh, I, I, 
I want to ask Mike as well, though. Have you played Horizon at all? Because I am massively into it, so I wanted to have a little quick Horizon chat. But I haven't played it. No, I've watched plenty of st- uh, streamers playing it, but I've never played it myself. Ah, it's such a good game. Did you play the first one, Joe? I absolutely did. Um, I think what I like most about Horizon is that it feels like the most recent, like the remake of Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. um, but a little bit more fluid. Like the combat feels like you can, like, let's say you run out of arrows, you can just craft stuff really quick and just get going. Um, I think the world design is immaculate. Um, I don't necessarily care too much about um, robots or mechs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gundam is kind of interesting, but it's hit or miss with me personally. Um, so I think making someone like me who is relatively apathetic to that design choice, um, and not only that, but mixing it so sublimely with the world aesthetic, which is effectively like uh, pseudo apocalyptic because it's been so long um, in the game that um, everything has started to decay and there's mm-hmm. virtually no uh, structures of human civilization until you're a little bit further into the game. And I think incorporating like very big tech stuff with um, so much lush greens and uh, arid deserts, I think that's very much a spectacle that's worth appreciating. Yeah, from just a like design choice. Yeah, and and like you touched on, I thought the the gameplay and combat and stuff was really good, and it was definitely more fluid than the last time I played Tomb Raider because the, the last Tomb Raider game I played was on the PS One. So I just, oh. <laughs> I just can imagine. Admittedly, the <laughs> I will say that the remakes of the Tomb Raider games are really good. I only use that as a um, catapult to show like how much better uh, things that took inspiration from those. Yeah. Have built upon it yeah i will say i heard the same thing to be fair about the uh i know you you said you played them but i heard the same thing about the remakes that they were done really well uh, a friend of mine did mention about trying them out but um i ended up playing horizon at the time and i just never really gave tomb raider another chance um, i refused to play them without angelina jolie please. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you remember those films <laughs> they were impeccable works of art impeccable (laughs) (laughs) yes um if you haven't seen the tomb raider films watch them come back and uh challenge mike on (laughs) you yeah Yeah, for sure um well uh, let's move on uh because uh obviously we got you on because you had been a content creator and we'll get to something down the line about a hiatus that you've been on but i wanted to Mm -hmm. ask you what was it that made you want to create a YouTube channel slash start streaming? And I know that you're um, like an artist, an animator. So this obviously will be a fun conversation because it's something I've always looked at and admired people who are able to do it because I can't draw and there's no way I can animate. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to hear, you know, how come you decide to start a uh, YouTube channel based around that? So to answer or before I formally answer your question, I've actually, since Christmas, I've been teaching my two youngest children mm-hmm. how to draw. Um, one of them wants to be an animator when they get older, which is funny because it feels like they're trying to... I don't know if they're if they're doing it because they want to follow in my footsteps or because they're actually infatuated with the same way that I am, but I guess time will tell. Uh, but one of them wants to be an animator and the other wants to be a 
a game designer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been teaching them a lot of drawing stuff. And the thing that I find the most um, helpful is to help find like a, a solid direction for a specific person. I find that both of them are very different um, in how I have to work with them to get them to do what they want to do. Um, so what I would probably recommend to you, like if, if it's something you're genuinely interested in, even if it's just a hobby, um, find a free drawing program um, or just like grab paper. Cause I mean, I am there, there are cheap tablets, but I don't expect anybody to purchase anything if they're not fully committed to it right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I can understand the only reason that my kids have a tablet right now to work on their stuff is because um, like obviously they have me to like uh, springboard off of like I can teach them things that they need to do which other people probably don't have that same luxury Yeah. Um, sure. so if you're interested in enough to get a tablet I would definitely suggest getting one uh, Hueon the brand has tablets that are as cheap as like I think like 30 bucks um, I think for you that would be like maybe 20, like 25 20 quid, quid. Or something? 20 yeah. quid 20 quid yeah yeah um, and just get a free art software and then just use the tablet or just draw on paper and just kind of um, watch a couple of YouTube videos that like go over like fundamental stuff as much as I hate to say it um, it's very much like guitar or piano like you can't just go off right off the bat playing Metallica <laughs> or Black Sabbath, yeah. you, ha- you have to learn a couple of chords, you have to learn a couple skills. This is how it is. Um, but the way that I've been teaching them, because obviously they're still younger, so if I don't have that entertaining aspect of it, they are they're not going to be interested. So what I've had them doing recently, and maybe this will work for you if you watch a lot of cartoons, um, is I've had them like take characters that they're interested in, or like they've been watching. So like recently, we've been watching a lot of Amazing World of Gumball. It's an amazing show if you haven't watched it. And most recently, my son was drawing the character of Gumball. This is basically a blue cat. And uh, my daughter was drawing NIEs, which is basically a pink bunny. Um, And just trying to show them, like, okay, well, this is how you would break this down. Like, this and that. Just basically giving them the fundamentals. But, like, making it interesting. Like, you know, you like this character. You want to be able to draw them. Well, here you go. This is how you would do it. Uh, to formally answer your question, a lot of people actually don't know this about me, but before I ever did art uh, as a profession, I was actually a professional musician. Oh, um, really? What did, so, what did you play? Um, so I originally made my first YouTube channel in 2009. I was... Uh, I couldn't have been older than 17 and what I would do is I would basically do guitar covers. Um, but this is back in the beginning of YouTube. So not everybody had an amazing setup to make everything sound immaculate. Yeah, and of I course, remember YouTube those days. didn't have the resources that it did. Um, so we would effect- <laughs> what I would effectively do is I would play the song in the background quiet enough to where it wasn't really obstructing what I was doing. But at the same time, you could still hear... Um, like the backbeat of the drums like it sounded like i was on time with everything and i would just i would just do metal guitar covers and i think i did that for 
probably two years. Um, and then I started learning more about like audio engineering. I wasn't very good at it to begin with. I um, think uh, you and Aaron should uh, start rifting, if that's the correct terminology. Because Aaron <laughs> is a guitar player, I believe. And I'm sure he's... Did he, have you played a bit, Aaron, in the, uh, in the Discord server? No, I haven't played in the server, no. But uh, we have been trying to use the music bot to, to play some, some of my uh, favorite tunes there. Uh, but I, I have to say I have never dabbled into, into metal, if I heard uh, Jaber correctly. I'm more mm -hmm. into the, the classic rock and roll side of things. You know, it's funny. I actually have a friend of mine who is relatively similar. And I think it's so funny because he is very young. He's actually younger than my oldest son. And some of his favorite bands are Rush and Queen. Um, <laughs> so I've actually been trying to like find bands I think might be like good easing into him. I, I definitely understand why people don't like metal. Um, actually, you know what? To, to make this full circle, um, I think metal is a lot like a Dark Souls game. It's very intimidating when you look at it at first, but if you kind of experiment around and you just look around and you find things that are interesting to you, um, it can be that grip for you to either begin to appreciate, if not enjoy, some of the less palatable aspects of it. Say for in this example, um, I know a lot of people can't stand screaming in music, and I can definitely understand that. Um, it's actually a, a bit of a turnoff for me if a band like only does screaming. Um, I, I really like a vocalist like with a really good melodic voice. Um, but of course, there are bands that don't do it, and they're amazing for it because the vocalist happens to be so good. Um, so I mean, that would probably be my I recommendation. If, sorry, sorry go ahead. I, mean, I, I fully agree with you. I mean, I was um, I was definitely. You know, on that on that tree before the brunch, before a brunch, I guess for me that was Led Zeppelin. If you mm -hmm. if you listen to Led Zeppelin, oh know, absolutely, great them, There wasn't metal. I think that's, I still call that a root. <laughs> yeah, more metal. Um, you might have a different different take on that. Uh, and but it just now I guess the, the you know the the genre of metal is so much more developed, uh, and there are many more more extreme versions. I think there's a lot of um, uh, stereotyping as well when people think about metal it's just screaming death <laughs> and all that sort of stuff but actually at the very beginning it did have a much more music and just a heavier version of rock kind of beginning um, and mm -hmm. as a guitarist I have to say those things are incredibly enjoyable to play there's a lot of adrenaline you know and you can just flow with it uh, compared to some of the blues bluesy stuff uh, which is probably the other side of rock uh, it gets actually quite technical because it was you know, Jimi Hendrix and Alex um, championing that. That's just right. They, they were a lot more. So, you know, <laughs> I've yeah. dabbled a little bit. I've also touched some more, the more um, some softer and melodic, melodic songs for Metallica, for example, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. definitely, um, definitely interesting. Oh, Metallica, great band. Definitely. In my humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I definitely think they're. I definitely think they're great musicians. I don't think they're great people. Um, but that's a totally different topic. I think a good jump, uh, like a jumping off board for somebody who may have like those tastes and may be like trying to find like, well, how do I get into like 
um, that's different. Like, um, I would probably say Metallica is a good option. Um, I would probably argue some. There are some grunge bands who would probably be a really good option. Um, depending on the album that you're listening to, you might be into some of Pantera's stuff. Um, I would probably say like the earlier you go in their uh, catalog, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do people like Puddle of Mud stand? <laughs> what would they be described as? Uh, I well, I refer to them as butt rock, and I think a lot of people <laughs> refer to them as butt rock. Butt I'm not rock. sure why that why that uh, stuck, but um, it's just kind of funny to refer to bands like that or Nickelback as a uh, butt rock but now don't get me wrong like there there are definitely like songs of theirs that i really like i'm actually i'm probably one of the only like three nickelback stands of the entirety of the internet um <laughs> so if y'all want to go make- into that we definitely can but uh yeah i mean like i think well to be fair i was also a bit of a justin bieber stand as well um if uh you're looking into like if you're trying to like find some decent R&B to get into um, I would definitely recommend checking out Justin Bieber's Portraits it's actually a really good album it's really dark which is weird to think of for like a pop artist it is um, Mike try especially, that down now <laughs> yeah um, I have, I've already listened extensively yeah <laughs> <laughs> there you go um, now it's a little bit different now because like pop artists like realize that you know not everybody likes the candy uh, sound to their stuff so um like the weekend's a good example. Like his stuff is really dark, um, especially with his new album. I was really impressed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as somebody who suffers with like extreme death anxiety, having somebody who um, tackles that with such a large audience, I thought was really impressive and bold. But he's he's the type of person who you know doesn't mind saying whatever he wants to say. So, you know, when we're talking about like uh, rock bands and metal and stuff like that, because it might be different for other people I guess in different generations like when I think metal or rock I see I seem to think of like Iron Maiden ACDC bands like that because that's what mm-hmm. like my dad used to grow up listening to and to me that was always a bit different from what I used to hear back at like you know school or whatever when you hang around with friends and they're listening to different sort of I don't know can't even remember people by them you know but pop essentially yeah Spice Girls Spice Girls, yeah, spice up your life, why not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depending on when you grew up, it, was, it definitely either would have been very grunge-intensive or it would have either been boy bands and I guess the term would be girl bands, like Britney Spears and Spice Girls and um, yeah. ELC. Yeah, 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 that was around my sort of time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, what, what do you class them, like Iron Maiden and ACDC as, for example? Why? Well, I, I think that just goes to show that, like, metal is probably one of the most diverse sets of music um so i think i would refer to that as heavy metal it's kind of hard to explain why it's referred to as heavy metal that's just how a lot of people classify it um even though obviously they're far heavier quote-unquote um artists and subgenres like you have like deathcore uh, black metal, death metal, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of different stuff. But I think that's just the term that's been coined for stuff made in the, we'll just say mid 80s to mid 90s. Yeah. Like anything before um, Pantera, anything 
after Metallica's first album. I would say is like heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting because yeah, that's probably what I would have described them as. But I guess it's um yeah maybe just the area you grew up in. I don't know if people still would these days. And obviously, like uh, Guns and Roses was another one that came to mind. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's see, that's where it kind of gets very strange because you know you, then you have the question of like, well, what is classic rock, and then what is heavy metal? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say depending on it's relatively analogous as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's hard for me to like se- separate the two. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. No, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I've seen on your streams that you listen to a lot of lo-fi music. Do you ever listen to like rock music whilst you're drawing or does that like add a new element to the drawing? <laughs> so funny enough, um, that's something that is very interesting when it comes to making art or animation is depending on what you're listening to and how invested you are in it, um, it absolutely can affect how things look. Um, realistically, the only reason I use lo-fi, even though I do enjoy it to like calm down and chill out, um, is because I don't want to have to worry. Like I, I do VODs because oh, I stream okay. at yeah. such odd hours um, that... I typically end up making VODs of my work, so I want to be able to put that on YouTube and not have to worry about getting a copyright claim or a strike. Yeah, I understand or that. Like that. Yeah, the two ways yeah. of DMCA. Yeah. Yeah. When Luke and I talked last, we were talking about streaming um, and like one of the major downfalls of it, and I think this was right when the DMCA stuff started happening. Yeah, it was. Um, and. A, ma- a massive argument that I had is there's no reason why Amazon can't um, have some sort of program to where um, you can use whatever music that you want and you maybe have to pay a little bit more um, but like it goes towards those labels and those bands so those bands and labels get a cut so they're not necessarily worried about like well are you infringing our stuff well not necessarily because we're making more mu- uh, money off of it um, I I would definitely say that's probably one of the biggest downfalls of listening or of streaming is that when and we'll get into this more when the high in the hiatus stuff. Although as far as like other things, it's largely irrelevant. Um, one of the frustrating things about streaming is that I can't listen to whatever I want for that fear. Um, I've actually thought extensively about different workarounds that I might be able to implement. Um, for this and maybe some of them will work um, the only thing that will suffer is you know the VOD will be less will have less music going on in the background will be a little bit more quiet mm-hmm. yeah I get that it's um, something even when I used to stream a little bit you have to be aware and just ended up listening to that sort of lo-fi uh, <laughs> copyright free music and yeah, not I mean, been able to listen to what you want it's the easiest stuff and you know what to be perfectly fair to those people that make that stuff they make a killing off of it i've actually thought about well if i ever get back into like making music again extensively um i would probably just make like metal or rock uh copyright free music and basically just like bite off of that hey, it could be worth it because like you did touch on they they do make a, a good amount of money off it um, yeah absolutely if you guys are interested in anything like that although if you're a streamer you're probably more than aware of this person 
look up stream beats and look at their influence around the different circles that they uh have mm-hmm. i mean there's no way that they're like not all like living lush yeah they've done very well i would i would have thought yeah it's uh you know to be fair though they i, I don't even mind some of their music to be fair so it kind of goes well with uh, a lot of the streams what was um one question i had down here is uh, i wanted to get what was your inspiration for getting into art and animation um it was a lot like music when i was growing up so the reason why i got into music as early as i did was because my mom was very much into music um as far as art and animation uh as simple and basic as it is it was really just uh the time that i grew up in um so to be more specific i was born in the early 90s which means when i was um when i was maybe like four or five effectively the syndication was the cartoon network cartoons like the the major ones that everybody thinks about when you hear cartoon network mm-hmm. uh powerpuff girls dexter's lab ed and eddie yeah. cow and chicken i could go on and on um and then not only that but the toonami anime uh uh syndication started so that added dragon ball z and uh sailor moon and voltron although i think voltron had technically been on a little bit longer depending on where you were looking for it Mm -hmm. um and then i was lucky enough to be born during the disney renaissance so you effectively had like a masterpiece coming out once every two years um as far as that so like the little mermaid beauty even though the little mermaid was before my time um beauty and the beast uh Toy Story, even though technically it's not a Renaissance movie, whatever, same time, same, ultimately same company. Uh, The Lion King, Aladdin, Mulan, Hercules, so on and so forth. Some great films in that. (laughs) Absolutely. And and they were the the main inspiration then for actually getting into it as you've grown up watching these and that's why you decided to to try your hand on it. for, For a while, I used to think that wasn't the case. As my style develops more and more complexly, um, I think that's the way that I want to use that. Um, I recognize a lot of the Disney elements that kind of feed into, like the Glenn Keane era, um, and just kind of like how he draws eyes. And then I just kind of take a step back from some of my work. I'm like, oh, wow. So that's why that mermaid piece I did recently, everybody says Ariel. Uh, okay. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it, it has a little bit more of an influence on me than I would maybe like for it to, um, but I imagine it's probably for the best because it's it wouldn't be as you know widely accepted and popular if it wasn't a good style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Um, obviously, you mentioned a lot of animated films there, and uh, I wanted to ask you actually, what's your favorite animated film? Because for me, one of uh, one of them that always sticks out when I think about them has to be Toy Story. I mean, that's the one that, as a kid, I just absolutely loved. And even growing up, obviously, we got another three, so um, still was invested in the in the uh, franchise and always my go-to when I think of animated films. So, how about you? What's yours? I have three, um, and funny enough, they are all different, quote unquote, mediums. Toy Story 1, 2, and 3? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Toy Story is definitely up there. I actually recently watched it with my daughter. 
um, for the first time. She had never seen it before. And it's so this is kind of what I was talking about earlier with the discerning taste. You kind of, when you are, I feel pretentious using this word, when you're a professional looking at something in your uh, wheelhouse, it's kind of weird watching it because you don't are participating in it in any way. Mm-hmm. You kind of observe it in a completely different way. Yeah. So I would imagine for you guys, assuming none of you have any like art background or animation background. I definitely um, don't. Uh, most. When you typically, <laughs> <laughs> when you look at um, any animation whatsoever, you're typically looking for a few things. Typically, being like, how pretty does it look? Um, am I able to observe the emotions being presented? How's the story? How is the sound? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's it's a little bit like I do obviously observe those things, um, but I end up having to watch movies multiple times for that fact um for example uh, like the first time i'm always observing like well what how's the animation style like what are they doing specifically um how's the silhouette look how do these colors complement each other and then like i have to come at the second time and actually like appreciate it all uh as one um so to answer the question i would say hercules would probably be like my favorite western 2d movie i think there's just something really energetic about that and it doesn't so a major criticism of a lot of like big movies um in the animated industry is sing is a massive example of this it's less who would make a good voice for this uh and it becomes more of a how famous are the people voicing our characters? Mm-hmm. Hercules was probably like the second time they had done this, but fortunately, rather than just animating characters, they were animating characters based off of who was voicing them. It is the entire reason why Phil looks the way he does. Mm-hmm. It's the entire reason why Hades looks the way that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to a degree it's how it's why Pain and Panic look exactly why, the way they do. I mean, like, Bob Goldway is fat, short, and stubby. So why wouldn't the little pink dude that he voices, why wouldn't he look exactly like that? Yeah. Um, you know, and, like, going back to, like, Aladdin, that's why uh, Iago, it, you know, is very squawky. It's because he's voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. Mm-hmm. He's a brilliant um, actor, by the way. Absolutely. Um <laughs> And unfortunately, nowadays, it's just kind of like, uh, funny enough, the Super Mario movie coming out next year is a good example of this. I think when the internet erupted over like who the voice cast was. Oh, um, yeah, Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt is Mario, for starters. I think it's funny to have um, someone like uh, Jack Black as Bowser and Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. I think those are relatively good fits. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody, I think a lot of people's brain cells kind of uh, imploded on themselves when they saw Chris Pratt as Mario. Um, I think uh, it, it contains cussing. I don't know if we're allowed to like talk about anything like re- like with cussing in it, but I think one of my favorite um, reactions to that was the KZ Gigaboots reaction to that uh, casting because it just exemplifies exactly why it's so bizarre and yeah. maybe not the best choice. 
Yeah, it, it. I don't know. We'll see. Doesn't seem a great fit, but yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Maybe it'll work. I'm not too sure. Uh, one thing though, I do want to mention. I see Asher is in the audience. He's got his hand up for a question, perhaps. And uh, I'll give props as well to Asher. Like he's a really good. Oh, his hand's gone down. <laughs> but he is oh. a really good um, <laughs> artist as well. And and some of the uh, the pictures that I've seen that he's drawn on his Instagram and stuff like that probably using the wrong terminology but they, they have been really good um so oh his hands up again mike do you want to see if he wants to come up maybe he's got a I've, question for joe bear i've asked him in the town hall chats channel i don't know if he wants to jump in while we're waiting for him i can knock out the other yeah, two, two films two options <laughs> i had yeah. so the western 3d um because I, I think it's very important to separate the two um spider-man into the spider-verse is a Oh, that is a great film. Immaculate movie is so good. Oh, um, you and made me doubt my top pick now. <laughs> <laughs> Completely forgot about that. It's so Toy good. Toy Story might go down a peg or two. Yeah, um, yeah. And then as far as the Eastern movies, I would definitely say Ponyo from Studio Ghibli. Oh, it's, yeah, okay. It's a really good movie. Although I definitely will say that one that's kind of crept up on me. Um, it's very mature, so if you're younger, uh, I probably wouldn't suggest watching it. Mm-hmm. But um, Perfect Blue is a really, really interesting movie. And of course, it, it, um, it was made in the, I think, late 80s, early 90s, when animation in Japan... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it just had a particular look to it that's it's amazing to look at. Right, got you. Like, if you're familiar with, like, the art style and aesthetic of, like, say, like, Akira, then, yeah, that's exactly what you would be looking for. But the story is really, really interesting. Are they yeah. coupled, maybe, Mike, that you've watched? Um, Joe was saying about, like, the body language and, like, voices of characters mm-hmm. also being, like, a big influence on movies. And my favorite Disney film is Wally, oh, and film. I think a lot of that is based around the fact that like not many of the characters actually speak, so it's mm-hmm. all about like the animator style of like how the characters communicate without speaking, basically like through body language and and then just the sound design of that movie and just the aesthetic beauty of the movie. Like it's definitely one of my favorite films. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If you guys are familiar with the uh... Sonic Mania, there were some shorts that that team did um, alongside that movie, or the lead animator basically hired a bunch of animators to work on some shorts for that. Um, and there's no talking in it whatsoever. I think the most you'll hear is like Eggman do the <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and it's so it's so interesting to watch somebody push certain poses to make something more interesting. I think that's a perfect example of that. I think uh as much as I really like the movies from back then, I think with stuff like that or um, We Are the Mitchells, I think is the name of that movie. It's on Netflix if you haven't seen it, and it's a fantastic film. Um, I think movies like that, regardless of whether or not it has voicing or not, because one does, one example does, one example doesn't, um, shows how much we're kind of getting what makes something animated good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really exciting. Yeah, 
I think, I mean, some of the films that we've mentioned here, definitely worth checking out if uh, anyone hasn't watched them. I mean, you talking about Hercules took me back. That's uh, nostalgia right there. <laughs> do, you, do, you Absolutely. Guys, do you guys ever play the game as well? The video game? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember that being tough, but then again, I was a kid. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, there's... Uh, some lovely nostalgia for you but um i wanted to move on then Jer, to uh one oh, of the reasons um did we uh do we want to get asher's question i'm sorry asher I, that took a lot no, longer no, no. than i was expecting it to so asher thought the button was just to wave at us so he was just politely <laughs> oh. waving oh, hello. <laughs> fair enough uh an easy mistake to make to be fair asher <laughs> um but yeah so the question i was going to ask i wanted to talk obviously a bit about why you decided to take a hiatus from uh youtube and obviously streaming as well um so yeah i wanted to to get your thoughts behind that um i have a lot of um i have a lot of achievements under my belt um unfortunately being a larger streamer is not one of them or being a larger content creator is not one of them um it's really a collection of things um, so without getting too much into it, number one, because it's very personal. Number two, because, uh, I don't necessarily like talking negatively about people if they're not, you know, within the same vicinity to, um, defend themselves. Mm -hmm. I recently got off of a commission. I, I think I may have mentioned it earlier. If I didn't, I'm a freelancer for art and animation. That's where the majority of my money comes from as well as, or so, like when I'm streaming, typically it's working for something of mine mm -hmm. or something of someone else's. Um, I recently got off a year-long commission uh, where I wasn't paid very well. Uh, well, that's honestly an understatement, but um, I wasn't. I, I ended up getting cheated on that, and uh, in response, like fortunately, like all of my bills are paid. Like that's not an issue. Mm -hmm. But I kind of needed to make sure that my money comes first. Now, if it were just me that I was responsible for, um, I probably wouldn't worry about it so much. Um, however, now being uh, as old as I am, I, I say that like I'm 50, I'm yeah. 30 years old. I was going to say, um, you're not old, mate. We're the same age. <laughs> um but with me having kids and being at the age that I am, I can't think about just myself. Um, and as much as I hate to say it, I really hate saying it because streaming and content creation really is my bread. Like if I, if money was never an issue, I would probably just do nothing but post stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to make the more conscientious decisions of like focusing on, uh, commissions and not being able to focus so much on, well, what can I post to YouTube? What can I post to uh, TikTok? When can I go live on Twitch? Um, so I would say like that was the primary issue. Um, I had mentioned earlier about the music and how like with DMCA, you can't necessarily stream whatever you want. Um, I think when you're a smaller content creator the i don't necessarily have the problem of like streaming to no one um but a lot of the people that i stream to don't necessarily like to chat they may like have me on in the background have me 
talking have um, my lo-fi music going on. Um, but like just kind of being there by yourself, not being able to listen to or watch whatever you want to. Like sometimes I, maybe I want to watch Breaking Bad. Maybe sometimes I want to watch a movie on loop while I'm working. Mm-hmm. Um, not being able to do that kind of causes a stressor that I'm not necessarily interested in if I'm not like engaging with somebody. I think one of the greatest things about streaming, which separates it from just regular video uh, making is your ability to connect and humble yourself to um, your audience and connect with them a little bit more. It's one of the, it's one of the primary reasons I typically don't watch larger content creators unless they like have something really, really special. Um, Like if you're beyond like a hundred concurrent viewers, typically I don't bother with you because I know as soon as I type something to you, you're probably not going to get to see it because either you're too busy with whatever it is you're doing or I'm going to get drowned out by the rest of the chatters. Yeah, which is definitely something that happens quite a lot on the regular for a lot of people, I'm sure, especially with the bigger streamers. I mean, you look at some of their chats and, well... (laughs) can't yeah. even keep up so <laughs> the funny thing is half of them have it in slow mode so technically it would be even faster yeah which is pretty crazy now that yeah, like if you if you go watch sense. xqc's chat is it's effectively like nonsense <laughs> yeah yeah i can imagine so um so obviously coming off that uh one of the questions or one of the last questions i'd jot down would be what tips would you give to any aspiring uh, content creators, streamers, YouTubers, etc. Um, obviously, you've been through, been been and done it, and now you're taking a bit of a hiatus. So obviously, you've been through the ups and downs of it. Um, so what would the tips be that you would uh, give to them if they're listening? I'm gonna make this a little bit more general. I don't want to make this specific to uh, people who do exactly what I do. Although I think those people will probably take the most uh, from what I have to say. Um, so one of the, these two kind of go together. Um, so I would probably recommend everybody who streams or makes any type of content to use all of your resources. And what I, what I mean by that is if you are a streamer, especially if you're a Twitch streamer, Twitch does not care about you. Twitch is not going to share your stuff with other people unless you boost, which is an awful um, an awful mechanic of Twitch. Um, I think everybody needs to have um, a YouTube and a Twitch. If you make videos or stream, you should have both. Um, unless you are invested in having tons of subs and whatnot, I wouldn't even bother with an affiliate account for Twitch. I would just stream to both. Uh, there is no reason why you wouldn't want to do that. Um, you should have a Twitter, uh, which should primarily be used for connecting with your like your close followers. Yeah, I don't think to, uh, Twitter is a very good option for finding new followers. Um, new followers can be found on Instagram and TikTok. And I would suggest if you're not making videos or if you're not making images on Instagram, you should at least be making videos specifically designed for TikTok and Instagram because they both have massive, massive, massive pools of people that you can reach out to. Um, I think it's really funny that I've been on YouTube the longest out of all of my social media 
but the one I've been on the least, uh, which is TikTok, is the one that I have the biggest traction for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say that one of the things that people really struggle with, um, especially if you're like if you do anything like super creative, is you want to do as much as possible to make your stuff look amazing or sound amazing. I think a lot of people need to learn when good enough is good enough. Now, obviously that doesn't mean to take shortcuts where it's not necessary because people are looking for like what makes you, you and how like they want you to shine. Um, they don't necessarily want you to shine if it takes you a year longer to make a video as opposed to being able to make one monthly or even weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be very helpful for people to make more content if they made the process of making the content itself content. So what I mean by that, um, I can I can be specific and I'll try to be general. So specifically, if I'm making art, um, I will make like a speed drawing or a speed sculpt, depending on what it is I'm doing. Um, and I'll, I'll turn that into a video. Um, how this would necessarily work for someone who maybe plays games, kind of hard to say. Um, the best I could probably recommend is like, if there's maybe something funny that happens in the downtime, or like you have like a really nice setup and you want that to be like, oh, look at how cool my setup is. Um, you can maybe take some time to record you getting ready and like just make that like a video that you constantly post on Instagram and TikTok and just like post your links or stream starting soon. Um, like something as, minis- as minuscule as that will bring in new people. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. And I th- what I mentioned on earlier, I think if... I think one of the things that makes... Twitch and YouTube streaming so unique and nice for viewers to watch is because it's not they're not watching you because they're expecting you to make a bunch of great plays. Now obviously there are pl- there are people who stream their maybe like uh, grandmasters in Overwatch for example um, and you're watching them for the gameplay but most of the time you're watching somebody stream is because you want to connect with them in some some way um, if you don't already talk to your chatters or your commenters on YouTube, I would definitely recommend that you start doing it because when you don't talk to them, it removes the thing that you're streaming for, which is for people to connect to you. Yeah, it I think that's the something. Thing mute. Yeah, that's some things I sometimes I think people overlook, don't they? <clears throat> like even yeah, if you've only got two people in the chat, like just chat with them, make them feel special. They've, they're spending their time and chosen to watch your content, for example. Um, and creating creating that like bond and, and building upon that when you start to bring in more people is always worth it. I completely agree with that point. Yeah, I think another thing that people do when it comes to chat or to chatters or commenters, uh, they probably shouldn't do. This maybe has more to do with my personality than it does with just a general uh, code of ethic. I would probably recommend people like even if somebody is being negative in your chat or in your comments. Um, to confront it, and I don't necessarily mean confront it in a aggressive way. Um, it could be as like learning to take actual criticism and 
filter it into something that you can improve on. And even if it has no value, like all you have to do is just ban them or ignore them altogether. Um, By the way, that does remind me of a story. <laughs> I I knew a friend who started streaming once, and uh, you know he, he would get a bit angry when playing the like a video game, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he got criti- criticism and turned around and said to the guy like this would happen a few times with different people, just threatening to smash their face in and stuff like that. That's and hilarious. It's, it's like I remember when we talked to him after. It's like mate. You, you can't say that you need to to learn to channel that negativity and like you were touching on you know you deal with it but deal with it properly you're not just throwing out like threats um yeah i definitely don't agree with it either but i think like there are people who have made uh, a name for themselves based off of how um caustic they can get yeah Um, it's true actually i think xqc is actually a fantastic example he's obviously great at uh the games that he well that he used to play i don't think he plays overwatch anymore um but the reason why you would follow xqc and not no maybe some other tank main uh is probably because of how wild he is when he gets angry uh there are many (laughs) there are many uh clips of him that I still find super funny. Like maybe his mic is blowing out or maybe he's saying something and then like catching it after the, the way it came out was suggestive of something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that always does usually uh, provide some some comedy for sure. But I think um, I think a lot of the points you touched on are very handy, especially for aspiring streamers and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff you can learn from and, and just to give you a heads up before you do go into that. Um, so I think that, that was really good. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to Mike now as well. Just any questions that we've had for Jerbear? Mike? Yep, yep, we've definitely had a few. Um, so one of the questions that we've had from three different people actually is you tend to do like on your side i saw as well you do like 2d art 3d art modeling animation which of those would you say is your favorite or that you're enjoying most at the moment mm. uh, it's kind of weird to answer this question it's effectively it's effectively asking someone um you know what par- what meal do you like the most do you like breakfast lunch or dinner the most um I would probably say 2D art is probably the one I'm most passionate about, but I think that's primarily because it's the one I started out with. Um, it's the one I had the tools for when I started. Um, I definitely have a very soft spot for 3D stuff at the moment. Um, but but that, I think that's primarily because I'm learning so much about its capabilities. Um it's pretty. It's a pretty wild space. I would recommend somebody, like if you have even like a remote fascination with art, um, to look at maybe some of the people making um, making uh, shaders or any type of effects and say like Blender. Uh, it's pretty wild what people are capable of doing with a free software. That is pushing the envelope for not just those communities, but the industry as a whole. Yeah, fair enough. Did you start on pen, uh, pen and paper, pencil and paper, I guess, with your two D drawing, or were you like just straight in on the iPad or tablet? I would say as a hobby, I did it on 
pen and paper, I decided to get serious about it. And then I decided to get the tablet. So I would say professionally, I started on tablet and went from there. Although I did learn a little bit about Illustrator taking drawings that I had done in, on pen and paper and then translating them into uh, digital pieces. I just found the process of doing it all through the tablet, all through the computer, the easiest and the least time-wasting. I guess it's I more forgiving with mistakes, too. Mm, to be fair, I, ca I probably could have changed anything that I maybe messed up in the original drawing. Um, <clears throat> I guess I would say so. Yeah. Yep. No. Um, also, we were talking about Minecraft a little bit earlier, and you mentioned playing with your kids. As someone who's so artistic as yourself, do you find yourself like more enjoying more like the creative side of things in Minecraft? I'm very objective based whenever I do really anything. So there, I think I have a switch in my head, a theoretical switch that I turn off and on where I'll spend like three days gathering diamonds and talking from a couple of patches back. I, I haven't messed with any of the newer stuff. Um, although I've been wanting to look into it. Um, where I'll grab like anything that we might need resource wise. And then once I'm done, like mentally done with that, I'll come back to the house and like I'll finish up the chicken coop or place a um, whole little section for the dogs to kind of chill out in while we're getting everything else ready. I, I think it's kind of hard to play Minecraft without doing one or the uh, one and the other as opposed to doing one or the other, unless you have one person doing one thing and another person doing the other thing. Although I think that's pretty boring after a minute, and uh, one person would probably have a lot of downtime waiting yeah, for those resources. Yeah, yeah. So just a case of sending the kids out to drop down trees. Yeah, I, I typically <laughs> don't mess around in creative mode all that much. I typically do a lot of it in survival which, funny enough, I think adds a little bit to the experience because it almost, funny enough, it almost feels like you're actually like on the roof of your house making the roof um, or adding something to it, like adding a balcony or something, as opposed to flying in the middle of the air. You have infinite wood that you can summon at will. Um, yeah, definitely. I think there's, there's something a little bit more interesting to like, okay, well, I need to go gather this much wood. I need to go like several hundred meters down and go grab some wood and then come back and make it all in the planks or do yeah. whatever. Yeah, I think I must have played thousands of hours of Minecraft over the years by now. And I kind of do it in stages. I never really play it too long. So it's always like a week or two and then like a month or two break and then another week or two. But I feel like I burn myself out so easily if you go into creative mode. There's just no like no sense of achievement or anything if you're just spawning in what you need. So definitely agree with you there. Do you play on console or do you play on PC? I play on PC. Uh, which version do you have? Do you have Java or Bedrock? Uh, Java. Um, one mod that I feel, I know exactly where you're coming from, which is why I'm about to propose this as an option. Um, there is a mod that basically effectively changes the game to Minecraft Pokemon called Pixelmon. Oh, okay. Um, 
if you're a fan of Pokemon at all, I think there is no better mod in the game than that. I think it totally changed how I looked at Minecraft. And I actually, funny enough, I learned things about Minecraft that I didn't know previously. So is it effectively Pokemon, but with Minecraft mobs? Think Pokemon if you had to make Pokeballs and okay, yeah. go find the Pokemon and actually like throw Pokeballs at them. No, it definitely sounds interesting. I've already written it down. <laughs> uh, we have two more questions, I think. Yeah, two more. So you were talking earlier about your level one runs for Dark Souls. Have you ever considered streaming them? Because we here at Eblitz, we know that speed runs are like massive in the streaming communities and you tend to pulling a decent audience with that. So have you ever considered streaming any of those runs? I um, I'm pretty big into the I wouldn't say like I'm big into the community, like all, all these people know me or anything like that. Um, that's not necessarily what I mean. Um, I'm very much of the mindset of when you do something online, what are you providing that no one else can necessarily do? And while I've definitely thought about it, and um, it would probably be enjoyable, I'm not the most eccentric person. Like I, like I don't. Uh, depending on what it is, I will pop off. Absolutely. But there, like, if you're looking for challenge runs, there, I can probably name like three streamers off the top of my head who would probably be better to watch for that than me. If you're looking for speed runs, there are at least two streamers I can name off the top of my head. Um, what I what accomplishments I have in the game are I I'm not gonna lie, they are impressive. Um, but there are people who do significantly more challenging things so like the the most difficult thing i've done is play through the majority of the series on the lowest level or yeah on the lowest level no leveling up only using the equipment that is available to me at that point um there are people who have um the happy hob is a perfect example who has done what he refers to as the god run 2 which is playing through demon souls dark souls 1 dark souls 2 dark souls 3 bloodborne and sekiro all in one run uh, without getting hit. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So <laughs> what I've done is impressive, but in contrast with like the people who already stream like virtually daily, um, similar stuff. Uh, and again, it, it, it does come down to like, well, you're not necessarily watching for the accomplishment, you're watching for the person. Um, I don't think I could gain much traction with it, honestly. Like it's, like the closest I could probably say is like, oh, maybe I could do Elden Ring and that would be really fun because it would be my first time through. Um, but most of the people who watch uh, people for games like that or they discover them is either one, they're playing it for the first time or two, uh, they're doing something rather significant with it. Yeah, yeah, totally understandable. Yeah, it's like their unique selling point. And then if you kind of encroach on that, but you're not as good as them at it, then you're not really going to pull an audience for that, are you? Yeah, unfortunately, um, like let's say with Twitch and the way it works, um, if you if you see two people streaming and one of them says, playing my second soul level one run versus somebody else 
that says playing my first soul level one run or another person playing for the first time ever um, as opposed to another person playing this game no hit or no damage or this challenge or this limitation um, I would say that outside of just somebody playing it casually I would probably be towards the bottom of the barrel and it's not to say that I wouldn't want to enjoy that with my with my chat but it's just saying that like if I were going to do it for new people which would probably be the case um, it wouldn't be very effective yeah yeah totally understandable okay uh, last question here um, we spoke a little bit about or oh, you mentioned Toon Army earlier and Dragon Ball Z um, are you how do I word it like big into anime do you <laughs> enjoy watching anime at the moment or I I'm actually not um, well let me rephrase that I'm into anime um, when I think of somebody who's into anime um, I typically think of somebody who can just like name like 20 anime off the top of their head that they would recommend to somebody um, and all of them are very obscure and you know you can only watch them on like Crunchyroll or whatnot. Um, I think the only anime that can stomach, um, not in English, is Dragon Ball. Yep. Um, and I think that's primarily because I grew up um, half, well, seventy-five percent listening to the English dub, um, and then twenty-five percent watching episodes before they came out. I had a. Um, after my dad passed, my mom had a boyfriend whose son is convoluted. Um, mom, boyfriend, son used to get bootleg Dragon Ball uh, VHSs from basically from aired in Japan, and we used to watch them there. So while everybody else was wondering what was going to happen in the um, end of the Cell Saga, I'm already watching Goku and Vegeta fight Boo. So. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely um, get that. Though, yeah. I think realistically, if you were to ask me, like, oh, well, what anime do you like? I'm gonna, I'm going to list off to you the most generic answers, the classics, um, and like even like with that, it's like, well, what about Naruto? Nah, not a big fan. What about One Piece? I have a friend trying to get me into it. Not a big fan though. Um, what about Attack on Titan? Mm, not so much. Um, they just don't necessarily grab me. Like, uh, I would say the most obscure. Uh, thing I could mention is probably Chin Chan. Um, unfortunately, is extremely difficult to find right now, but that's because Funimation lost the syndication rights. Um, hopefully, they get them back. I would love for them to get it back because it's an amazing show, and I wish more people were aware of it. Um, even though a lot of the humor is very early twenties or early two thousands, um, but. Like yeah, like my favorite anime are like Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball, um, Full Pokemon. Metal Alchemist. Yeah, Pokemon. So we, just, we stick with the classics. I respect yeah. that. Nothing like, wrong with the classics. Basically, no, I could exactly. basically pull up like best grossing uh, anime and be like, "Yep, that one, that one, that one." Okay, we're good. <laughs> I want to get more into it because I think there's a lot, there's a lot there, um, but unfortunately, the way that the animation industry over there is. Um, it's more about quantity and less about quality. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a major, major problem that they need to fix because number one, they're killing their animators. And number two, it doesn't produce a very good result. I think if you look at some of the early stuff for Super before they realized that 
their fans weren't going to necessarily just like take whatever. And then you compare it to like the end of the tournament of power where everything is so beautifully done. Um, but of course that comes at a cost because the time, the timeline never changed. Every episode has to be out within a week. So basically you have to pump out 20 minutes and, uh, in less than a week. And for people who don't animate or don't have any concept of how long that is, it's insane. Yeah. And it's not even really good pay. I think you get like, I can't remember what the specific um, conversion rate was, but I think it's like you get like a dollar or two per like drawing, and you gotta do like each person has to do like thousands. Mm. No, it's, it's mental. No, I can imagine. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have one more. Sorry, that sure. I insisted on leaving till the end because all of our listeners are going to probably turn off after I ask this question. But um, Mission Feld, who's been in the audience for some time listening now, has asked <laughs> if you can play us out with some Wonderwall. No. So, yeah. <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> in fact, if you ask me that again, I'll never talk to you again. No, I do not blame you at all. <laughs> has Wonderwall made it across to the States? What do you mean? I, I I wasn't sure how big like that song was. I mean, I know it's big uh, in the UK, a, but it is obnoxious. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, COVID. It's, yeah. it's the COVID of the music world. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my god. god! You go out on a night out in the UK, and uh, that's one of the end songs. Yeah. yeah. Wonderwall <laughs> is our free bird. Oh god! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, well, Mission Failed got his answer as well. Unfortunately, not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think one that's day. yeah, maybe one day. One day. I you. <laughs> that's oh, my uh, perhaps. That's a good place, I think, to leave it for this week. And once again, a massive thank you to Gerbert for uh, for joining us and having a great chat. Really appreciate that, mate. Guys, it's been nothing less than wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's been good, man. We really do appreciate it. And um, I know you're on a, obviously we discuss you on a hiatus and stuff, but we will link all your socials and your um, content channels down below. So everyone definitely check them out because obviously you can still watch some VODs and uh, you never know. Joe Bear might be making a return one day soon. Who knows? So Yeah, maybe relatively soon. I don't want to place any promises because I think that's probably one of the worst things you can do is make a promise and then under-deliver. Um, I would like to think that I'm going to be back relatively soon. Um, and relatively frequently, I just have to get a few kinks taken care of first. There you go. So just keep your eyes peeled. So in the meantime, you might as well subscribe and check them out. Um, but also, once again, thanks to Mike. Really appreciate it, mate. It's been good having you on. Always a pleasure. It's been good fun. And obviously, thanks to Aaron, who is still here with his uh, suffering with, with, hope, with COVID. <laughs> Hopefully feeling a bit better after our chat, though. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's been pretty ill this week, so you know, it's understandable. But he has been listening in. And um, obviously, do check out and subscribe to the uh, eBlitz Town Hall slash podcasts on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Also join our Discord server where you can listen live and you can get your chats in, uh, questions in as well. Um, all the links will be in the description below. Uh, obviously, we recommend as well checking out eBlitz, downloading it, and seeing what you like. If you're looking for a gaming buddy or you're just looking for a better teammates to play with, then definitely check that out. It's available on Google Play Store and uh, sorry, the Android Play Store and obviously the iOS App Store. Um, there is, we are working on a massive update uh, and release that 
I think will be coming probably next week. There should be one coming out over the course of the weekend, and then the the, the big one I think to to finalise it all together will be coming out next week. And uh, yeah, it's going to be really exciting, and there will be big changes to the app, and hopefully, obviously, for the better. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. But once again, we thank everyone for joining us uh, wherever you're listening to this. Hope you have a good day, and we'll be back next week to discuss some more gaming. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. See you. Goodbye.